Nora Speaks is a weekly podcast that tugs at the soul and consciousness of the Black community. With show topics such as youth empowerment, education, women's impact, and civic engagement, Nora Speaks challenges the listener to not only join the movement, but be the movement. On the show, you'll learn from insightful guests who have demonstrated capacity in these fields and more. And I'm your host, Nora Muhammad. Welcome to the show. It's a very uh, white man's game, to be perfectly frank. And that's how it started. You see the show's Mad Men. It was mm-hmm. mostly, you know, white men in their jackets and their cigarettes and right. their vodka martinis. No shade to that class of people because they they did pave the way for my craft. Right. I understand that. Uh, however, um, there's a level of privilege of thinking you know what's best for everyone, mm-hmm. even if that's outside of your experience. This week's guest is the founder of Brand Enchanting Media, Michelle Pace. Michelle is an experienced leader in the marketing community and has an impressive resume that boasts project work for Procter & Gamble, Estee Lauder, Jones New York, Dell, and many others. With her marketing and advertising background from New York to Chicago, it makes sense that she'd bring her expertise and talents to her own company. In this interview, Nichelle shares her journey into media, her personal connection to the civil rights movement of the 1960s, as well as her efforts to empower her community in navigating culture, politics, and where they intersect. Nichelle was a delightful and informative guest and it is my pleasure to share our conversation with you. So with no further ado, Michelle Pace. I am joined here with Michelle Pace of Brand Enchanting, and I'm very happy to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here with you today. Yeah. You know, I, I met Michelle at a uh Camden County Historical Society event uh, where the speakers were talking about um, being, you know, in the South. It was the 50th uh, anniversary of the assassination of Dr. King. And I know you had a testimony and actually a family connection to to the uh, event. Yes, I did. And and the, the funny thing about that connection is it's referenced in Childish Gambino's new video, This Is America, when you see the people right. at church, you know, in the choir, and then he kind of takes them out with the AK. Right. Um, so, yeah, uh, my family is originally uh, from South Carolina via French West Africa and mm-hmm. some other areas of the world. Uh, but we had two cousins that were actually part of the Charleston Nine. So mm-hmm. two out of the nine people were relatives of mine um, on my grandmother's side. Um, the P. Middleton doctor and Sharonda Coleman Singleton uh, were two, you know, second and third cousins. Uh, one married in to become a doctor. My grandmother's maiden name is Doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the other one also had married into our family. But, yeah, so it, it kind of tugged a little bit knowing that, you know, I had that connection with something that was so recent that happened. Yeah, I think I think it's important, you know, when we're sharing our history with our young people, 
that they know that it's not just historical. It's right. actually your family. It, it, you have you have a direct connection to it, and you not, not all of us can trace our way back you know, to the plantation or let alone civil rights all of the time because of, For sure. you know, the family dynamics. But yeah. you have that, and I think that's incredible. Yeah, and, and, I, and I count that as a blessing to know because I think about so many people don't know where their roots come from. I, right. I know on my grandfather's side that, you know, him and uh, uh, both of his parents were both African-American and Native American. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that my great-great-grandmother used to live on a plantation because, well, my mother and and my uncles used to go see her and said they Mm -hmm. had to walk down this long dirt road. Um, But, you know, we have some historical context and and versions of pictures, so I've seen them. Mm -hmm. You know, I've seen their faces. I've seen the pictures, and I know that where they go back, I have a picture of my uh, great-great-grandmother, Catherine, that migrated here from French West Africa. So, you know, Mm -hmm. we are, uh, at least on my mother's side, I have a pretty good grasp of Mm -hmm. the history and the legacy and and where folks have come from. That's really incredible. I went um, on a family trip to South Carolina and saw where my great-grandfather's grandparents were buried, you know, on a plantation. But, you know, we just kind of jumped in. I have a habit of doing that. I'm sorry. No, I do that all the time, (laughs) so so it's not a problem. What part of South Carolina? You know, I can't, I don't remember. We're we're near the coast, so near the Charleston area. It's, It's a town called Camp Branch that's in Vaughanville County, um, but we are, you know, we are Geechee folks, okay. you know, Geechee Gullah, my South Carolina lineage. The Georgia folks are the ones that were the Native American mm-hmm. and African American. All um, I knew, as, I was very young when we went, so mm-hmm. all I remember was that, wow, it reminded me of the television show In the Heat of the Night. So, <laughs> but, um, you're dating yourself. I, I know, I know. <laughs> People don't know what that is if they're under 35. Oh, you're right. But Michelle, you know, let the audience know who you are. You know, I... I enjoyed the conversations that I've had with you, you know, and I think that we're kindred spirits in a lot of ways. And I wanted to bring you on the podcast to share not just, you know, your service that you offer, um, but also, you know, your the context in which you see your responsibility to the community. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I am Camden born. I can't say fully raised, but partially raised because uh, I did. We moved from Camden, I guess, when I was six. Um, but I spent all my summers here till I was mm-hmm. in middle school, 12 or 13 years old. You know, you can't really take, you could take the girl out of the city, but you can't <laughs> take the city out of the girl. So mm-hmm. m- most of my friends were here. So I really was kind of distant, um, except for uh, school year, from my mm-hmm. friends um, in the suburbs where I lived down in Clementon. Uh, so I always had a connection. I, you know, I ran track for the Camden County Track Club mm-hmm. with a, a lot of my friends from Camden back in the day. We used to practice at Camden County College still when it was a gravel track. Mm. Um, and so with that being said, uh, I'm, you know, I'm familiar to the area. I stayed local. I went to Camden County, transferred over to Temple, uh, majored in film. Um, my background actually was in film and production, you know, I, as my dad says, you could have been Ava DuVernay. I'm like, you still like beating down that horse, mm-hmm. aren't you? I'm, you know, 45 going on 46 <laughs> now. And you're talking about stuff that's like 25 years right. ago. Um, but those, uh, the film industry has long days. And when I was a young mother, um, you know, so I hit a 22 hour day where I worked right. 22 hours. I literally just was like, I can't. I can't see this being my life because mm-hmm. there's no benefits. 
when you're in the film industry. Yeah, get, you can get into the union, but uh, I needed something more stable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I still wanted to stay in production, but I was looking for production companies um, versus the kind of contracting work that's in, in film and video production, as well as advertising agencies. And I ended up at an ad agency called uh, Darcy Macy's Benton and Bowles, DMBB. Mm-hmm. They had clients like Burger King and a lot of Procter & Gamble. Uh, NyQuil Dayquil was the first advertising client I, I worked on. You know, everybody knows NyQuil <laughs> right. Dayquil. Like, I literally have boxes under my desk. <laughs> my uncle would be like, can I get... Can I get some of that? Can you bring some home? Because obviously we have a lot of product samples, right. you know. Um, and a funny inside tip is when we're filming commercials, you know, and I learned, these are my learnings over the years, when they're doing some of these product commercials uh, and 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 uh, print ads mm-hmm. uh, to make things look nicer, you know, we would put water in the bottle a lot. So we would pour some of that out so it, d- it doesn't look as dark as right. it does in the right. store. Right, or as viscous as yeah. it is. <laughs> it's so the light can catch it okay. because there's no light within the liquid, so right. we need the light to catch it so you could actually see the color of the okay. liquid um, from the camera lens. So th- those kind of fun learnings I kind of came up with in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a New York-based agency, which is now uh, called Publicis after they were merged and acquired with a company out of Paris and one of the largest um, of the big three ad conglomerates in the world. So I kind of cut my teeth in a strong, traditional advertising environment. What drew you to media? What was the draw for you? Well, I started off, let me even go back further. So when I'm at Camden County, I thought I was going to be an investigative reporter. You know, I I was already on the school newspaper doing sports writing. You know what I mean? I was already drawn to writing and media. That was always my thing mm-hmm. um, in some form or <clears throat> form of facet. I started off with like, oh, I'm going to be a journalist. I'm going to be an investigative reporter. Then as I got older, you know, you get older, your your ideology changes. Right. You learn more about the world. And, you know, and then I realized um, probably really the end of the first semester in at community college that I don't believe the right to know. That's invasive. That's intrusive. Okay. I don't think you have the right to know everything right. in people's lives. I'm like, it can affect them. You know what I mean? Right. I, I, I keep things close to the vest. Mm-hmm. So I realized that really didn't fit. The ethics of it. Yeah, the ethics of being able to dig. Mm-hmm. It's it's fine from a, uh, if, you, if you need to dig into a company's practice mm-hmm. or a political practice, but digging into people's personal, personal. lives, I thought was a little harsh that was not really that really didn't kind of fit you know mm-hmm. with my spirit of yeah. what I like to do yeah because investigative reporters have to be relentless yeah you do yeah. you yeah. have to, and I don't have any I don't have any problem with you know being relentless to get a task done but being relentless when it comes to how it's going the to affect somebody nature. yes yeah. the invasive nature of investigative reporting I was like that's a terrible <laughs> idea <laughs> and so I end up um just thinking I'll do general communications mm-hmm. and landed into the radio, television, and film. So I, at, at, at Temple, before it became film, media, arts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I went to school with the likes of Benny Boom and, and folks like that. We had a lot of talented, creative people at Temple when I went there. You know, Jeanet. Jill oh Scott, gosh, yes. you know, we had a we had a lot. Of I'm, I'm still waiting people. for Jeanne's next album. Me too. We're, <laughs> we're all we're constantly waiting. Um, you know, uh, uh, world-renowned DJs. You know, just it's just mm-hmm. we had just a lot of good creative talent um, 
in Temple and within the community around Temple that we... It was a very cultural time. It was. Back then, too. It was. You know, yeah. you know, that at that time, I'm trying to think, you know, that's when Neo Soul took yeah, off. Yeah, right. So, you know, we were very into our culture. Hip-hop was still hip-hop. Yes. That was, you know, I was, a, I'm the straight native tongue backpack hip-hop girl. <laughs> you know, that's usually what calms me down when I'm in crazy work yeah. mode is... My Spotify station is Jay Dilla. Mm-hmm, it's because right. I need, I need that soothes me. That soothes yeah. me more, you know, than you know listening to ballads. Mm-hmm. Is if I listen to some smooth grooves and backpack hip hop and yeah. some some groove and some tribe. Right, and some, right. You know that that actually brings me yeah. a level of peace right. that other genres of music can't give me. Um, so it was a nice, you know, it was a good learning ground for me. Being at Temple, um, not just uh, not just from a professional and film perspective, but you know, culturally. Mm-hmm. Back then, before you know, it's kind of changed hands and 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 changed uh, has a bit of a cultural shift at right. the university. Back then, Temple was known as the HBCU yes. of the North. Yes. <laughs> you know, there's like no, they're the HBCU, <laughs> and, and you know, not Cheney or anybody else. Right. They were calling us yeah. because we had such a a large mm-hmm. black culture that yeah. is not as large anymore yeah. at the university. It was very concentrated then. Yeah, it was very concentrated. So it, it was an interesting time, which, you know, propelled me uh, into media and mm-hmm. advertising and, you know, working with big clients and big brands, which kind of brings me up to now where I, uh, two years ago, went out on my own. Actually, actually to be fair, Probably, I actually went out on my own maybe 2011, 2012, mm-hmm. but I was just as a consultant. So okay. most of, I was still maybe working full-time for agencies, but I had consultant contracts where mm-hmm. I could still work for myself. I was still my own business. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2009, I started a website called stylemom.com, which was a lifestyle website, fashion website, beauty, um, because I needed a voice for us Gen X moms and younger we weren't the you know cardigan wearing khaki wearing girls you know we grew up on the hip-hop and and the pop and the rock and roll we were the madonna the prince the so that wasn't really you know our outlook Mm um i say the the generations you know gen z and 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 folks, they use all these great platforms, but Gen X built them. They're still <laughs> right, looking right. up to Gen X, you know, mm-hmm. um, even though he's in a little hot water right now for inflated views. I mean, they look up to the Jay-Zs. Right. And Beyonce's yeah. only a couple years out of Gen X. Right. Um, you know, they look up to uh, the, uh, the J-Lo's of the world. These are all people that are, you know, from our generation that have kind of, mm-hmm you know, paved the way, the Pharrells of the world. Right. You know, we're a few months apart in age, Pharrell, mm-hmm. but you would, you know, for for the younger generations, these are kind of the trendsetters to exactly. them. But you have to realize our generation started a lot of trends. I've, I really, I'm very, sh- I feel strongly about Gen X because a lot of people don't give our generation credit. Right. Um, but I think we're the ones that have been kind of the glue to hold everybody together. You know, I was going to say, I feel like we're the gateway generation. We are the <laughs> gateway generation. Like, we can actually speak to the younger generation, yes. where the boomers and those older than us 
don't have a clue how to talk to them. Right. You know right. what I mean? Even yeah. though the younger generation, they're starting to look at us like, oh, you're old, you don't know any better. We still can out-cool them in certain Absolutely. instances. And, and, and that's that's where my kids always laugh. They're always like, my mom's pretty cool. I'm yeah. like, well, I'm glad you recognize and appreciate that just because we, we kind of stay current. We were the ones that, you know, in college were first getting on Yahoo email. Mm-hmm. And so we were, we were the early adopters of all right. the tech that they're using now. Absolutely. Um, so we do understand that, you know, we were the ones that, you know, remember when the cable box had 16 buttons Oh my on gosh, it. yes. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. My, I have a 15 and 16 year old. Mm-hmm. So when I use certain slang and they say, what did you say? They're surprised that I know how to use it. Yeah. No, we created these yeah. words, you know? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <Yeah. laughs> they think they created everything. Right. I'm like, no, that was us. I mean, we, we may have looked funny in the 80s, but, you <laughs> right. know, all this stuff you wouldn't have, you you wouldn't even, you know, have your young thugs and young right. Jeezys of the world right. if it wasn't for a lot of the things that, you know, hip-hop culture, the neo-soul mm-hmm. culture um, paved the way for artists to break out the Missy Elliott's of Abs- the world, yes. let, you know, made it so this generation of artists, the Janelle Monet's, mm-hmm. the Childish Gambino, can be uber creative. Right. Where, you know they were breaking boundaries then which paved the way and 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 made it palatable (coughs) to society and the culture at large to and consumers to take in that type of content I mean when you think about it so we had Teddy Riley right Mm -hmm. we had um what are the the brothers the uh Jodeci oh yes yeah Jodeci (laughs) you know with the with with the boots and the Uh laces you know uh you know and you know just right right on into you know the hip-hop you know I feel like we had it all we had the R&B, Balladeers, we, we, we had the hip-hop, we had those who, you know, were a fusion of both. Yeah, and we had Madonna, and we and had we, Prince, and we and had Cindy Lauper. And we had Hall & Oates. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we had some of the, I think we had some of the best eras of music, mm-hmm. I think, in, in our young lives. So I try and infuse that and play that a lot or tell my kids where those samples are coming from. Exactly, you yeah. Because we did, we, we have a lot and we lost a lot of great you know young artists that yeah you know still could be doing things these you know right now absolutely so for sure so what you know propelled you to to start out on your own you said you started out just as consulting Mm -hmm. you know you know doing your thing on the side but you know to come out on your own I always think of entrepreneurship um, is moving from a structured environment where your boss, mm-hmm. whoever you work for, they have you in a structure, mm-hmm. on a schedule, you know. Um, but now that you come out on your own, you have to build your own structure. Right. right. Well, I started off first thinking, I just want to be get managing partner at some mm-hmm. maybe small agency and just go fit into somebody else's scheme and, 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 and take a big chunk of it and make it my own. Um, I don't want the headache of the overhead. And a couple people were in my ear, you should just do it yourself. You should just do your own thing. Um, And after a a few failed attempts on on trying to have that higher position, it's it's bad enough. Um, uh, Madison Avenue, as we call the ad uh, industry, it's hard for not just women, but a woman of color. Mm -hmm. Um, My status on my um, IM used to be all the time 3%. People used to ask me, what's that mean? I was like, because only 3% of directors and hire were me or people that look like me or close to looking like me, right. which was dismal. Um, 
I listen to uh, another podcast that's specifically for our industry called Madison and Culture uh, by uh, David Sable from YNR, Young and Rubicon. And, uh, you know, they, they explore all the different ways how culture, society, and, and our industry um, is not always inclusive. Um, and different battles people have to go through to push more inclusivity and diversity mm -hmm. throughout the added industry. So one, uh, being challenged with that, uh, the diversity piece, and two, uh, just having to deal with people make decisions that I didn't agree with mm -hmm. um, or ethically that I didn't agree with and having to constantly be put in that situation where either I can either go along and get along or I'm going to be at odds, you know, with the environment because I don't agree, you know. And it wouldn't be so much always ethically. It could be financially. I, th I think we should be working with clients a different way and increasing our billings. And, yeah. you know, they were rather overworked internal folks mm. instead of, you know, making their clients kind of pay up for what they needed. Mm. Uh, so it was, it was those types of things where it was kind of for me – after coming in and helping a couple of, especially local agencies and an agency, New York, some smaller agencies that had, uh, you know, 50 people or less or watching them grow to 60, 70, 80 to 100 people and helping them build out their departments and do case study and, and award-worthy work mm. um, and not really get the credit. Right. You know That's what I mean? Right. I, that gets daunting after a while. Certainly. Or, you know, watching people you know, make an additional $300,000 in their e-commerce revenue in 30 days from something that I implemented right. that the president didn't even want to touch. Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask you something. You're talking about the lack of diversity there. And I'm, I'm curious about, um, you know, as black Americans, we have the financial wherewithal of some countries, mm -hmm. right? The dollars that are flowing Absolutely. through our hands. 1.2 trillion to be exact. 1.2 trillion. And for us to have that kind of buying power and we're consumers, mm -hmm. why wouldn't um, media target us or why wouldn't they promote people of color? I mean, we, we talked, I think, last time about the Dove commercial mm -hmm. and just not having the right people in the room to give input, right? They do it all the time. You don't even have to be black or a person of color and I think we kind of briefly touched about this before um, it's it's a very uh, white man's game to be perfectly frank and that's how it started you see the shows Mad Men it was mm -hmm. mostly you know white men and their jackets and their cigarettes and right. their vodka martinis no shade to that class of people because they they did pave the way for my craft right. I understand that uh, however um there's a level of privilege of thinking you know what's best for everyone, mm -hmm. even if that's outside of your experience. Um, so there's this level of privilege and thought, and it and and a, a lot of it's not even malicious. It's okay, just, I was going to ask you: is, just, it, is it arrogance no, or well, entitlement? Well, yeah, it's 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 kind of arrogance and entitlement. But not so much. It's actually not even thinking the fact, just thinking, I know how to market anything. I don't, because I've done it so long, mm -hmm. that I can go ahead and make decisions about anything, even if I don't have the cultural references right. or relevancy for the product. 
from because marketing is math. That's what a lot of people don't understand. Mm-hmm. It's just another um, marketing communication is just another function of math because we deal with data, we deal with you know audience data, mm-hmm. uh, we deal with uh, what are the statistics and the outcomes, whether it's sales, right. uh, how how things drive revenue. It's it's a numbers game. So we deal with the the. It's a numbers game. It has a level of creative and art to it, but it's the art that's driving the numbers. Mm-hmm. So we, the art is just a tool for us to drive the numbers, basically. So that's what people don't understand. So people think they have the numbers game down, that the art is the part that's tied to the culture. Right. And they mm-hmm. don't realize that just because you have the numbers da- game down, you actually, the art and the culture are going to matter because that can screw up all your numbers. Absolutely, right, right. You know, so I would... You know, I would. There was an instance we I was working on a, a bra brand, and uh, two or three men were sitting in a. It was in a glass uh, conference room, sitting there um, having a strategy session about a Q a man a Q and A man on the street Q and A where we just ask random consumers questions about their bras mm-hmm. or random women. Three men. There was not a woman in the room. Not one. Until we had to go knock on the glass and be like, do you really think this is the smartest thing you right. should be doing right now? So do you think it's just um, some kind of oblivion? Yeah, oblivious. Yeah. That's that's a very good word yeah. for it. They are, yeah. Some folks are oblivious. Um, you would think common sense mm-hmm. would hit in, but it doesn't always hit in because they're just so focused on the task at hand that they're oblivious. Like, maybe I should ask a woman. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm working on something that's going to, you know affect Korean culture maybe I should ask someone from Korea or maybe I should get at least a reference if I'm going to uh, do something that has to do with moms they give moms the respect if they want to market to moms Mm -hmm. they'll send you all kinds of questionnaires you know they have all kinds of mom groups and Mm -hmm. because they know the power of mom what they don't understand is the power of everyone else Mm. they're starting to and when I say they, I, I just mean the, the kind of powers that be that control the images between media, marketing, and advertising. Um, but the, the culture at large is starting to understand that. Society is starting to understand that. Nielsen came out with um, our numbers, her magic, meaning they crunched the numbers on, on mm-hmm. the, the buying power for, for the black woman in America, mm-hmm. um, which obviously is huge. We have a huge influence uh, we influence a lot of things, and a, a lot of other things that aren't even a, a part of our culture. Right. Uh, so, it's people are aware. I knew before we hit this 1.2 trillion. I was telling people six years ago we were going to hit it because I saw the forecast. Right. I'm like, we're going to be at 1.2 trillion buying dollars. This is before we even hit a trillion. Um, that uh, we need to leverage that, and right. we are leveraging that. As you see, when things happen. These oh, brands have to, you know, stand out attention right. and recognize because the buying power is there. Um, and you combine what African-American women do with their buying power along with groups that um, non-African-American women have, like Shanna Watts and, and Moms Demand and uh, some of the things they do called the, the, the uh, Grab Your Wallet campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, the women are really... We control the consumer dollars, especially right. in America. Right. So if your brand isn't aligned with what we feel is best, you know, mm-hmm. you know, for our families, our culture, our community, 
you're going to have a hard time, um, right. you know, and as you see, whether it be the Starbucks of the world, the Waffle House, all these things are coming to light. And a lot of this is being pushed by women. Right. Um, a lot of the voice is coming from women. And, and I think it's our role as, you know, the maternal ones. And we don't have to physically be mothers for it to be our role. Right. Um, I just think as women, you know, we, everything comes from us anyway. So, you know, it, it's kind of our role to, to be that protector mm. of, of society and culture. So it's kind of naturally playing mm-hmm. out. Right. You know, that we're making people more accountable uh, people, brands, politicians, right. you name it, musicians. Um, and that's okay because it, it, it's time, you know. Some people are saying right. the patriarchy is dead. We don't want to kill the patriarchy. We want the patriarchy to evolve. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't want them to die. Right. You know, we want, the, we want there to still, you know, be the paternal figure and, and those types of things. You just want them to evolve where we have a more... Uh, unified approach to mm. how we, you know, handle culture and society that is, you know, more equal. Yeah, I, I like the way you I like the way you put that because y- y- what I'm seeing and hearing from some um, women leaders concerns me. Where it sounds as if they um, want to empower women and we should be empowered, but they want to do it by disempowering men. Mm-hmm. And I think that is kind of a backwards approach. You know, they're empowerment is is n- no less significant or relevant than ours mm-hmm. you know um so I, I like the way you put that you know because we're really not in a fight against each other Mm-mm. you know but just um what have you learned about yourself and about business since you've been on your own mm-hmm. you know than when you were working for others um <clears throat> you know how they say you could sometimes have that imposter syndrome. Yes. You know, do I belong in the room? I, I've had bouts of that. I think I've learned about myself is uh, a level of confidence in my ability to kind of hang in the room. Right. Um, especially the, the, the bigger the rooms are that I go and I walk out thinking, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> so, sometimes I just look at me after having a conversation or finding out the inner workings of a large conglomerate or a, a large political entity or what have you. And, and you know, there's a lot people don't know. Mm. Even, even And they may, you know, on the surface, you know, and if I was younger and more naive, on the surface looking in, you see people with these titles, VP, president, um, whatever, lieutenant governor, right. you name it. They have these titles... Um, and they have a lot of accomplishments. This is not diminishing anyone's accomplishments. Um, but in terms of feeling feeling though they're uh, more than what I am or right. I couldn't compete or I can't hang in that circle or, uh, you know, I'm not ready for that level of leadership, um, that's what I learned and I needed to stop thinking mm-hmm. that way because I was just running to into too many people that I could probably run circles around no right. matter what their title was right. you know just to be frank and 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 um, realizing my worth mm. on what I bring to the table right. um, you know so that's 
that's been a kind of transformation for me and, and kind of sticking to my guns. Like I just mentioned, you know, mm-hmm. exercising the power of no, right. um, knowing when to say no, realizing my worth and realizing that, you know, a lot of people will try to take advantage when they do realize you are an asset and they're at that level. Right. And knowing that they could probably even get to another level with you in their corner. So understanding, you know, my role, mm-hmm. um, whether it's with the community, the business community, the the local community, and, and 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 trying to be a good leader, but also trying to be an effective leader and and a prosperous leader. Yeah. Um, if 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 I'm not doing well and I'm expending myself with everyone else, I'm not going to be able to help you right. <laughs> in the long right. run. Um, so that balance is something that even now I'm I'm struggling with. Uh, you know, bringing more people on board and all the headaches of a business. And uh, all right, do we go and actually start looking for funding? There's other business extensions we want to do because this is very, uh, uh, I'm trying to create an entrepreneurial environment, mm-hmm. um, you know, as an agency where we have some intellectual property. Um, so we have more to offer um, and, and be our own incubator for, for creative people that not only are good marketers, and good strategic folks to help build brands, but in case they want to create their own brand, right. have a space for that as well. So what? So what do you do at Brand Enchanting exactly? If someone wanted so to come, so we in. are, and and you get the first uh, dibs at our, our new tagline. We, we're going to update our website, so don't go there yet, guys. <laughs> um, so we are a we are a culturally responsible branding and strategy firm. Uh, we basically uh, we do integrated marketing. You know, that's our that's kind of our overview. But what we do the most is integrated marketing, advertising, strategic marketing, branding, social media, digital. So integrated meaning we are platform agnostic. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean it matter the platform whether it's online or offline. Our focus is really on the strategy because without a strategy, it doesn't matter what platform you're on. Strategy and creative. So we're strategically driven, um, creatively led. The, cra- mm. the the creative and the strategy leads everything we do. So it doesn't matter where the creative and the strategy is going to be, whether it's going to be on social media. We do have expertise in all the various platforms, all the way down to SEO and mm-hmm. email marketing. Um, but our approach is very high level um, in working on um, looking at uh, brands from an umbrella viewpoint. Um, really focusing on things like brand identity, which a lot mm-hmm. of people will start a product or start a business, and they don't know who they are. Right. You know, I always think about Lion King. You don't know who you are. Um, you know, so people will, and that's from the small business sector. But even some of the larger businesses that are doing millions of dollars with a, a, a decent and respectable brand presence don't have a brand identity package. Mm-hmm. They don't have a mission statement. Right. Um, and, and these are brands we could, you know, see around or, you know, see in our supermarket. Mm-hmm. Um, so we try and bring a strategic level of marketing uh, to the space, which is, which is typical for, you know, your very large Fortune 500 CPG brands like the Coca-Colas of the mm-hmm. world. They use agencies that do this. So we're, mm-hmm. we're trying to be that next up-and-coming, you know, agency 
around here in this area where we're using our talent that's from Camden and the Philadelphia region and South Jersey versus having to have our talent go elsewhere, whether it be to right. New York, Chicago, even Philly. You know, we'll, being able to swap talent in and out of Philly would be nice. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of the basics of what we do. But we do also offer... Um, a percentage of our business to the community and small businesses. Uh, a couple things that set us apart, uh, we offer in-house services to larger ad agencies. So if we, you need us to come fill out your team, you could come and do mm-hmm. that as well. If you have project work that you need to sub out, you could sub out to, to our agency, uh, as well as on the brand side of things, if you need us to come in and, and fill in uh, for some of your brand marketers, um, your brand marketing team. Uh, we support that and then one thing that is uh, that makes us a little bit different is we are adding in um, community and political liaison um, in terms of uh, community uh, community communications um, to help brands navigate uh, culture community and and, and somewhat politics Um, and it's not uh, about any party, but just understanding um, the political landscape where your brand or business resides, right. because it, it crosses over a lot. Yeah. You know the laws that are being made for the businesses, and and not this is not on a federal or national level. It has nothing to do with you know the the current administration. This is really on a local level where brands and have their offices or the markets that they service. Right. So we have to. You know, they have to know, okay, if, you know, Atlanta, Chicago, Philly are your, your prime markets, what's the culture like there? Right. Um, what's, what's, the, what's the culture like for the people and, and community and political engagement there? And, and where does your brand fit in? Because a lot of brands today think that they don't have to have a point of view or uh, a corporate social responsibility statement mm-hmm. or any plans for that. But you do have to have... It goes back to having an identity. You do have to have uh, your own purpose and mission and what you stand for in terms right. of culture and people. Um, especially if you you have a product that services people, right. you have to you have to you know have some humanity within your <clears throat> your brand right. because that's what people do now. They they're they're basically one of the things they judge a brand on is not just how good your product is or how quick you, they can access it. But where do you stand? And you don't have to stand in a political light, but you do have to stand for something that is representative of the culture that you serve. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think people have gotten tired of people being sharks, mm-hmm. right, and or leeches on the community and not having any kind of um, involvement or interaction with the people that they're serving or you yeah. know or selling their products to. But when someone comes to me, comes to you. Um, how do you help them find out what their brand is? Because you, you said, you know, like Lion King, you don't you don't know who you are early on, and you know people kind of get started mm-hmm. and they you know they're working. We things. do exercises. There's okay. there's we have a, a formula of exercises and different questions we ask them. You know, it's simple things like breaking down their target audience, um, asking them uh, if your brand was a celebrity who you think it would be. <laughs> so we take them through a lot of like brain game exercises mm-hmm. to get them to really out what they think their brand's about. Do you find it? Do you find that it can become a very um, spiritual um, experience for people, or very personal? It does. Experience? For some people, some people I think come out of our strategy sessions a little bit 
shocked. Kind of knowing themselves better, maybe. Uh, yeah, knowing it was like, or saying, I really like doing this. I really like these exercises yeah. because they, they haven't done them. Mm-hmm. You know, they haven't thought uh, about, you know, if they haven't had an agency to work with that does this level of strategy, they haven't done the strategy on their own. Right. And this is a big part before you do any marketing is coming up with, with you know, who you are, what do you represent, you know, what are those words, what are those descriptors, mm-hmm. what's your tagline? I mean, to in layman's terms, it's, you know, coming up with that that hook. Right. <laughs> you know, what's that yeah. hook? What's that, what's that thing that kind of represents who you are? Um, but there's exercises to that. You know, what do you want to say? What's the history of mm-hmm. your brand? What's the motivation behind your product and your brand? So all of those things come into play, and we kind of put the pieces together for, mm-hmm. for brands and companies. Do you advise that, just specifically talking about small businesses, do you advise that they um, flush all of this out before they get started? A lot of people like they might have a product or they say, you know, I'm going to, you know, open a electric company or something like that. But yeah, I advise them to do that as they're starting. It's, it's really crucial, I think, for people to, to, to flush this out. They usually save marketing for last <laughs> and a, a lot of companies do, especially in the service industry or contracting industry. Mm-hmm. Um, retail, you can't save it for last because you're dependent upon foot traffic. Right. Same in the food industry, uh, restaurant, your de- bars, you're dependent upon foot traffic. So they'll they'll spend the money on flyers and Facebooks and things, but the, the branding assets may not be as polished. Um, but yeah, people should, you know figure out who they want to be to their consumers mm-hmm. and figure that out first and, and tighten up their brand and tighten up their logos, mm. you know, not doing a logo and word. This is to my small businesses and entrepreneurs out there. There's plenty of places out there where you can get things done, but put a budget. Mm-hmm. Um, don't pinch pennies on your marketing and your brand because it's your first impression. Yeah. I've, I've heard, you know, the same thing with um, attorneys. People say, well, you know, I, I want to save money, you know, mm-hmm. so, you know, and attorneys cost a lot of money and they don't uh, speak to an attorney before they, you know, sign contracts, no, create contracts. No, you do it anyway. Find, find someone. Because you're going to pay later. Yes. You know, for what you didn't yes. do right the first yes. time. Yes. Um, and that's, you know, and that's the growing pains of being an entrepreneur and a startup. You you have to let go of the reins and bring people on board. You'll, you're never going to grow, ever, if you don't bring in the accountant, if you don't bring in the attorney, if you don't bring in if you don't bring in the key people or the business development person, you're never going to grow as far as you want to grow if you don't, or, and the marketer, mm-hmm. you know, at least at the bare minimum, you're, you know, that's, that's one of the things that stunt the growth. That's one of the things, even for women owned businesses, our, our growth is stunted because it's a lot of single consultant women owned businesses. And because we don't start offloading. Um, and that's the webinar I was listening to. It's all about, you know, delegate your way to the mm-hmm. top so you could be done by three o'clock right. and hanging out with your family, but you have to, bring in the expertise and, and you have to have the resources and, and, and price out how much you're going to need to pay these people, but mm-hmm. it pays for itself in the end. Mm. So, I mean, you're sharing a lot of great information with the Nora Speaks audience. Is this something that you do 
um, as a class or as a workshop. I don't know if you have time for all of that, right? We're talking about everything <laughs> yeah, that you know, have right? to do. Um, and I know you have a meeting that you have to get to, but is this something that you provide as a service? I, I do. I do uh, workshops um, if organizations want to have my workshop mm -hmm. or fund a workshop so it can be free to the community. We do have a workshop template. I did two last year. I do a couple a year. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, we're always open to the host. It's called... Um, uh, digital marketing boot camp or small biz digital mm -hmm. boot camp um, and we we do a comprehensive like digital and branding overview and we talk about some of those strategy mm -hmm. we give them many versions of those strategy exercises and there's take-home things that they can do and go ahead and run themselves mm -hmm. so yeah okay that's great absolutely so if you want to have a small biz digital boot camp or your organization um, wants to you know host one you know we're always here to do that uh, we have a it's about a four-hour workshop, so half day. Um, mm -hmm. People usually, you know, enjoy the exercises and and figuring out how to do some of the marketing for their brands. Yeah. I'm sure, and you're very, um, you're very, you know, personable. Sometimes when people think about marketing and you know strategy, they can easily become overwhelmed and just kind of shut down. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've seen that. Kind yeah, of some stuff. people in the strategy session are like this is so much. <laughs> I yeah. never thought because it's it, it kind of exposes them for all the things that they didn't think about that right. they should have. Right. But that's not what they do. That's what you do, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Or they think they should have. That's right. why I say that's it. That's why you hire an expert right. to do that. Right. I know I would miss something on my taxes. That's why the accountant right. does the taxes. <laughs> right. I know I have no idea what's going yeah. on with running payroll. That's why I'm bringing on a controller. Yes. <laughs> A financial person to handle right. that because I don't I don't know that's right. not my that's not my wheelhouse. Right. So stop trying to make everything. You have yes. to understand what the end results need to be. Don't get me mm -hmm. wrong. You do you do need to know all the areas. You never want to be, um, you know, like some of the old '80s artists that just handed over their assets right. to people and just ended up broke. You never right. want to you you want to understand mm -hmm. you know what the best practice is and, and, and where the bar is set for yeah. these services you need, whether it's legal, accounting, marketing, um, and and know what a good partner looks like or mm -hmm. a good resource looks like. At least do your due diligence there. But once you find it and their work is verifiable, mm -hmm. you bring them into the fold. Right. Right. For sure. It's, yeah, it doesn't make sense to work that hard and then no. not have, you know, Smarter, not harder. Yeah. Smarter, not harder. So... I know you're very committed to your local community, and um, what kind of, uh, I guess, responsibility do you feel that you have to the community? Um, I mean, being a child of Camden, uh, you you have a, it's, a, it's a bit of a way, I mean, I'm a mother too, <coughs> excuse mm -hmm. me. I have, a, you know, my oldest son is out in LA doing his thing, he works in film as well, he edits and mm -hmm. animates. Um, but you do, you know, and especially with the redevelopment, I, mm -hmm. I have an obligation to make sure that my community, and I have a lot of cousins and family is still here, um, that we don't get left out, especially mm -hmm. the African American community. It's really important that, uh, whether we have the new administration or whoever, the new governor, mm -hmm. that there's a voice, um, not just for our community, but for people that want to do business in mm -hmm. the community, people who want to have a business, people who already have a business, um, and that there's more visibility 
um, to those of us in our community that have run their businesses successfully, which there is not currently. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so to affect change. And I mean, you know, we we get to a certain place in our life where it's like, okay, what are we leaving behind? Right. You know what I mean? And I don't want to think about that when I'm 65. I'd rather think about that now. You know, and 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 try and affect change. If I have a voice, and you know, people give me opportunities to use it, I, I don't want to squander it away. So, okay. you know, yeah. What do you love best about what you do? Uh, that's a good question. I think the the people, or um. Not the, so much. It's not like I don't love the people. I don't <laughs> want it to come off that right. way. I, I like the, the people's reactions mm-hmm. and, and to see people feel good. And that's such a Leo thing. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> the funny part is everybody's like, oh, you know, Leos are always into themselves. No, it's not that Leos are into themselves. Leos think that they're the best person in the planet to make everybody else happy. <laughs> okay. We're very... Uh, <laughs> I like the way you put that. And it, it's it's true. We're very, you know, Leo's love hard. They're super loyal. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody's like, When's oh. your birthday? August 20th. Oh, okay. So I'm at the end. I'm a little yeah. cuspy. I have a little, some of those Virgo um, power traits. But, uh, you know, as that, you know, I feel this responsibility to, for, you know, to make somebody smile, to, to, mm-hmm to add some positivity or give them a solution. Like, we want to fix everything. We think we can fix everything for for everybody else. (laughs) We can't fix our own crap. That's (laughs) the crazy part. Um, But, you know, I I like that. I like when people, you know, say something helped them or Mm -hmm. something was useful or, you know, those types of things. So that's kind of of the best part is, is seeing people engage in a positive way in anything that I've created. Um, and seeing their reaction. Right. I do it for their reaction, not okay. for my own. Because to me, I'm just like, all right, it's another piece. But if, if it can move somebody else, mm-hmm. then that's that's what yeah. gives me juice. It's like, okay, that was moving to you. Okay, good. I have a close friend who's a seamstress, mm. but she doesn't really care for sewing. Mm. But she loves the reaction yes. of her customers, yes, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> she, may not, she may not even want to another thing right. but she does it because she knows her yes. like oh my god this yes, made me I love so this. fabulous yeah right. so you just reminded me of that mm-hmm. is there a, 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 a mantra or a mission statement that you live by uh yep uh laurel's uh let me get her name right thatchel auric mm-hmm. uh well-behaved women seldom make history okay yes yes because they don't no they don't we, can't, we don't know their names <laughs> yeah, right we don't know their names <laughs> We don't know their names, and any woman um, throughout history that has made change, nobody ever said they were well-behaved. Right. Um, The whole notion of well-behaved in itself Mm -hmm. is, you know. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, just thinking back, you know, of women who didn't behave well, we could uh, lump Rosa Parks and Harriet Tubman should join the truth in there, right? All of them. Okay. All of them. (laughs) So you're in great company. Yes. So. Okay. Um, So. In, in our closing moments here, and I want to just thank you so mm-hmm. much for this time. Mm-hmm. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I feel like I could just, you know, talk to you all we night. We chat again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Well, you know, I, I will tell you this, that I've had uh, guests on the podcast, and I've, I'm only at 25 uh, today, but there are some of the people that I've talked to have, um, 
you know, knowledge in so many complex issues that mm-hmm. I really, you know, want to bring them back already right. you know, to kind of talk about other things than uh, what we talked about in the initial interviews. But just as we're closing out, I wanted to ask you, um, you're involved in your community. You're definitely empowering people, especially through the workshops and things that you do. Um, you coach and educate your clients as, you, as you're working with them. So how would you advise people who, if they're looking to be an entrepreneur, um, if they're going to school, um, whatever their capacity is to be the movement, to take ownership, because, you know, you talked about the imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. right? So how, how, do you, how would you advise someone else to go out there and uh, be the movement? I think the younger generations don't suffer from imposter syndrome as much as we do, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. We've kind of bred them to believe they can do anything. They, mm-hmm. they, you know, they've seen Obama. Right. You know what right. I mean? That wasn't our right. time. Right. You know? Yeah, seeing a black president was yeah. common to them. Yeah, right? it's, it's common. Eight years so, of it. So, so some of that glass ceiling has already been cracked. I'm not saying shattered, mm-hmm. but there's cracks in it for them to break through. Uh my, my one advice is just realize it's, it's bigger than, life is bigger than you. What you do has a ripple effect, no matter how small you think it is, um, whether it be in the workplace or in the home or in your community. Uh, there's, a, there's a certain level of struggle that a person of color is, we historically have. You know, I talk about our historic PTSD to certain right. areas. Um, and just realize, you know, you're the evolution of that. Right. Um, but you also, in a good way, you know, you you have an opportunity to set the pace for the next hundred years. Mm-hmm. So right. um, think of it in a way that it, you know, leave your mark. Don't be afraid to leave your mark. Right. You only get one chance at it, you know, and 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 leave something. <clears throat> you know, worth talking about for the next generation to, to build on. Right, and you're you definitely know. doing that here. Yeah. Thank you, I appreciate it. I thank you so much for joining me. <laughs> this was a wonderful conversation. Absolutely. And I'm grateful that you already agreed that you'll come back. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> okay, thank you. All right. Thank you again for listening to the Nora Speaks podcast. Be on the lookout for another episode coming at you fresh next week. And as always, if you want to learn more about me and the work that I do, visit my website, norazahira.com. Or if you have a listener question that you would like me to answer on air, you can email me at questions at You can also follow me on Facebook at norazahiramohammed and on Instagram at norazz20. I'll be sure to include links to the above in today's show notes. If this show has value to you, please like and subscribe and share it out with family and friends. And be sure to check out previous episodes. And remember, don't just join the movement, be the movement. Stay in peace.